let's just see where this takes us. So the AHCA, right, the Republicans voted a few weeks ago on this uh, Obamacare repeal and replacement, which clearly if you were following the lead up to that bill, the first version of it didn't even get a vote um, because it was, by my calculations, kind of put together by Paul Ryan and a couple other people at the Republican, like, we can retreat. That's really what it seemed like to me. Um, you know, uh, so... So I run out breakfast, and then yeah. we'll take healthcare away yeah. from millions of people, and, and, right, and then and then we'll do group trust exercises. Yeah, uh, trust, trust fall, trust, yeah, trust, trust falls. falls. Yeah, oh trust my falls. god, a Republican trust fall. I no, I don't think I could handle that because everyone, they're not because of their bad people, but like on principle, it'd be like like self reliance, baby, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so this bill, it's been passed. We we think that. According to the CBO, 23 million people compared to the ACA will lose uh, or be uninsured by 2026. That's kind of the headline yeah. that a lot of people are picking Most up. Most of it coming from uh, uh, cuts to Medicaid. Cuts to Medicaid, and then also some proportion from young people dropping out due to like lack of individual mandate, right? And that's yeah. usually what you'll see conservatives arguing is the reason. And then Democrats are going to be saying it's because of uh, block grants to states and you know caps on like lifetime insurance types of things. Um, but what I wanted to talk about real quick was the fact that there's also a version being written by 13 Republicans in the Senate right now, uh, and, I, and I kind of have an allegory to the Hillary Clinton lock her up, which I think Democrats should be saying, mark it up, mark it up, because there's looks like there's going to be no amendments uh, able to be given on the floor, even by Democrat senators uh, for this bill. So the question is... What are Republicans going to come up with that's different from the House bill that can actually get passed? Trump will sign anything. I think we, I think we know that. Trump will sign anything that makes it to his desk if it says this is to repeal and replace Obamacare. Yeah. Um, so um, what was the Senate one? So I'm I'm really torn on this issue. I can I can see this going one of two ways. Okay. So option A, option one would be. Um, no, nothing gets gets done, gets done at all. The the CBO report is so devastating. It's the uh, the plan, the the House version is so unpopular, and that's why that, they this, that it's just going to stall in the Senate, and nothing's going to get done. And that's why they voted on this one before getting a CBO report because the right. first one kind of led to the. I, I mean, to a certain extent, I, I think I think House Republicans what they wanted to do is they wanted to. You know, they know it's political suicide to actually pass something like this, given how unpopular it is. Mm -hmm. So I think what they wanted to do is say, listen, we passed this bill. We did our part, you know, on re repeal and replace. So they can go back to their districts and, you know, come, you know, 2018 and say, listen, we did our job. It was the Senate that that. That, that didn't do it right yeah. so so they, they can say they, they did the vote they, they did the tough vote but you know then you know they can still also uh, rest easy that the status quo will persist right um, so part of me thinks that the, the Senate is probably just going to die in the Senate mm -hmm. they're not even going to be a vote how, how is that any for the house oh, sorry oh, I just for the House, as far as politics goes, how's that any different than like the hundreds of votes they made to repeal and replace Obamacare during Obama's second term when Obama just refused to sign any of them, right? That's kind of rhetorically the same well, thing. Well, they were, I mean, I mean, what they did before is they did straight up just repeal votes. That's they, they, true. They didn't they even didn't replace it. It was, it, was, it was just basic political theater, mm -hmm. right? But now Republicans are on the hook for it because they've 
unified government. Yeah, and so like now government actually, legislates and governs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ostensibly, yeah. ostensibly, that's we true. learned that in our political theory classes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, I teach that in eleven oh one. You know, um, so but, was that a plug for CU Boulder? <laughs> yeah. uh, government's supposed to govern. That's the first thing. see this going though is I actually think that uh, Mitch McConnell's a really smart guy and I think he's he's a he's a strategic genius he's yeah and in many ways I think what Mitch McConnell can do he can put together a watered-down bill that can pass it's gonna be significantly more mild significantly more moderate than uh, the house version and I can see a scenario where the Senate passes that their their own version <laughs> and Paul Ryan is going to go back to his conference and say listen this is the bill you know we need to pass this bill as is or you know it's just it, we're not going to get anything Mm-hmm. And I can see, I can see Republicans holding their nose and saying, "All right, we're we're, we're this close to the finish line. Let's just okay. vote this through." How does Mitch McConnell get through a legislative filibuster, or do does that get? Uh, if he does it through reconciliation, oh, he doesn't. There, if, if he does it through the reconciliation yeah, yeah. process. But here's the problem, right? And this is why this is why Paul Ryan's actually pushing for for the healthcare legislation the way it is, is because they want to pass massive tax cuts yeah, now. Absolutely. And the only way they can pass massive tax cuts is if they get the tax if they if they repeal Obamacare now mm-hmm. so that they can run through the tax cuts also through reconciliation in the Senate. Yeah. And so they need to do all of this before September. I want to get Dalton's voice in here just a little bit more because the, the the audience loves your voice. That's the those are the numbers I'm getting. Oh yeah, yeah, they're all saying that yeah. that I've got it. Yeah, you're like a a young Lucretia Motz. Well, well, at this point, you're asking the guy who's like more familiar with parliamentary democracies okay. about like the the very specific American system that you guys are talking about, and I so it's and granted, I should I should know more about this, but in fairness. This is a process that has a lot more wrinkles than most of the countries that I'm looking at. And I guess something that was that that I wanted to know, Ryan, when you were talking a little bit was um, specifically like party discipline in the United States. Like Mm -hmm. the way you're talking about it, it just seems to me that there are feuding alliances within parties themselves that are kind of like the House and the Senate. How are we going to get this bill passed? Like the version in the House versus the version in the Senate. Why do they want different things? And the reason why I ask that is because in the countries that I study, this is not a problem. Even in bicameral legislatures, it's, all right, what does the party want? Cool, we'll send it through because that's what the president wants. That's what the party wants. And we're just going to go ahead and do it because parties are far more disciplined in those settings than what I can see, at least in this setting. And so is that an issue, even under like unified government as it is now, it seems to me that there still are some bickering within the parties themselves and that to me screams out that like parties are not as disciplined at least within their own factions as they might be in europe i'd say yes i mean we we saw a greater consolidation of party power in 1994 right Uh, i mean i mean there is a there is a round of so there is a a lot of procedural reforms made in the 1970s um that really led to um, a great deal more party discipline. Uh, so we saw a transition away from the quote unquote textbook Congress with strong committeemen who would operate uh, essentially uh, their own jurisdictional territory with 
virtual impunity. Seniority rule back with, then. With, 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 with seniority rule and all that stuff. And we saw a consolidation of power under the party leadership, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and, and we saw that to f- that further cons- consolidation under Newt Gingrich and then even, even Nancy Pelosi uh, when she took over in 2006. Here's the problem, though, and and is the United in p- political parties in the United States are as things go relatively weak, which mm-hmm. is which, yeah. which leads to a really interesting scenario where we have strong partisan polarization mm-hmm. between parties. Yeah, people and, identify very strongly with these parties, right? Despite the fact right. that it's like very candidate centric. In fact, in fact, many people identify that as being the reason why someone like Donald Trump was able to to, to get elected yeah. is because the psychological he, connection. He, he was mm-hmm. able to he was able to exploit the weak party structure of the Republicans and then rely on on uh, strong partisan attachments in the general election in order to ensure his, his, his election. Now, this, now, what's interesting about this too is there's a certain asymmetry as well. Is that the party structure of the the Republican Party structure is weaker than the Democratic Party structure, mm. and so what you see here, and this is one of the reasons why you're, uh, I, I think. Uh, the Republicans are even with unified government are finding it nearly impossible to rule mm-hmm. is because it's because we you have the the Freedom Caucus wing which are they they from what I can tell just want to burn the house down yeah. uh, and they, <laughs> literally at this point they, no, they, they own the they, matches yeah they do and then and then you have like the establishment Republicans the leadership and the more moderates that are like listen we actually have to govern at some point and so that's what's creating a lot of these tensions and mm-hmm. there's a lot more uh, the Freedom Caucus has a lot more power in the House than in the Senate. Yeah, the constituency pressures may drive it all because, I mean, what what do the, I mean, say what you want about the ideological extremism of kind of Freedom Caucus members, but if you look at like one-to-one representation of their constituents, they're doing a damn good job because that's what their constituents want. They want them to either be burn the House down or Which makes do more nothing. sense why it's in the House. Right? So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the other thing is the constant, well... Yeah, the, like the constitutional um, clause that, you know, we have districts and we have statewide for Senate. Um, yeah. So they have different constituencies and want different things. Boy, that's interesting. Huh. But, all right. And so <laughs> I almost wanted to end it on, boy, that's interesting. Well, yeah, sorry. That would be <laughs> a, a nice segue into your next column. But, um, yeah, it, it just seems to me that, like, all the discussion and debate on, like, individual pieces of legislation mm-hmm. are far more discussed and far more debated in this scenario, in this context, like the American context, mm-hmm. than I would say, like even in, um, in, in countries that have like several parties within their parliament and, yeah. like, and they have to, right. they have like coalitions and whatnot. It's, it's still more debated here, despite the fact that we should have what we would otherwise consider unified government. And for my two cents, I would argue that the reason we get so much debate on it is because we have a robust free press, which brings these types of conflicts to the attention of the American people who can then put pressure through different constituencies on members of the House and members of the Senate. Right. And then they have to reconcile. They have to face these differences that are within these, you know, pseudo fractured parties. Um, that was my plug for the free press and the democracy. Also, First Amendment. Woo. Uh, 
Okay, I think. I think I, I, I yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I final word. Final I words. That the Washington Post now has their their tagline that democracy dies in the darkness. <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed that, but they, they they I don't know when they put it up. But it's been the last couple of months because yeah, and I think it has something to do with just the attack on the free press of this administration. Now. It's like they're like high minded, kind of like nose up in the air, yeah, way saying like you do need us, and and, and they do it with such great alliteration too. <laughs> democracy dies yeah, in the darkness. Good. Yeah, well, it can die as long as it's pretty. Exactly. Dalton, final words on the, the news of the day? Um, joke slam gate. <laughs> joke slam gate. Hashtag. Does everything have to have the gate at the end if it's going to be like, a, you know, whenever whenever we have something like Wiener Gate? Like yeah, Wiener that's gate kind of the... We always just put course. gate at the end, even though the Watergate was a dang hotel. Yeah. Like, it wasn't even like... Yeah, and yeah. every minor political dust-up. It's got to have a gate yeah. at the end yeah, of it. Yeah. Like, that annoys me. My favorite was a few weeks ago with the Comey letter, one that I uh, coined middle paragraph gate, where, <laughs> where Trump, t- Trump told... In the letter of him dismissing Comey, he said, I do want to thank you for telling me on three multiple occasions <laughs> That I am not. What a, weird, <laughs> what a weird admission to make. Too. Like, <laughs> like, it's so weird. Uh, okay, uh, I think that's gonna do it for us here on Politics Explained. Thanks for listening uh, to the show. Only here on Anchor. These are three political scientists uh, giving you the news of the day, but explaining it. Woo! Uh, I'm Ian Shapiro. I'm Dalton Door. I'm Ryan Dawkins. Yep, and you can catch us every day on Anchor. Well, just me, not them. Not every day. Me every day, not them. Okay, love you. Bye.